to the Limehouse podcast. God, it's been a while. I must apologise. You know, life gets in the way. Uh, We finally went on holiday and it was great. We went to Crete. It was beautiful. Very weird, weird, weird atmosphere. You can't get away from it. The old COVID. It's kind of crazy because you're there and you know you're on holiday and you know that that vibe has to kick in soon, that chilled out holiday vibe. But it kind of didn't ever. I don't know why. It was kind of strange. But there you go. Did a lot of podcast listening whilst I was away. And a lot of reading. I think those of you that follow me on Instagram will have noticed a few uh, pictures I posted of, of um, Tom Petty, the autobiography, a biography rather, that um, I've been reading by Warren Zanes. And it's absolutely freaking amazing. So I'll probably um, be trying to speak with Warren at some point soonish about that book, just about Tom Petty. I mean, it's an incredible story, regardless of whether you're into his music or not. Whoa, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's off the hook. But um, yeah, another podcast I was listening to was the Infectious Groove podcast, which ties in really na- nicely with this one, because I'm speaking with Russ from Infectious Groove podcast and i love 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 the show it's so much fun these guys are three of them they just basically take music apart in a you know kind of forensic but fun way and i've been a fan for for a little while now i guess the show's only been going about six or seven months but it's it's fantastic so they'll just talk about i mean we go into quite depth about what the 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 show does but it's cool to just bring you another podcast you know because i often i mean i yeah yeah i do I podcast. I'm a podcaster. We all know that. It's 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 clear as day. But I still find myself going, new one. I need a new podcast. I need something new to listen to. Um, and 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 more often than not, I forget. I get lazy, and I just. And if you're anything like like me, yeah, you just you just switch off, and you just end up listening to the same old, same old, and you just need a bit of a, a change. This is a really good opportunity. This is a great show. They're really funny, super intelligent, love musically intelligent people. Like you, you really feel safe in their hands. They're not blagging it. Um, they talk a lot about, um, and they, what I really, really like about it is they're not snobs, right? So they don't just go, they, they don't just ignore some of the what you call, I don't know, cheesy uh, music. Or but they also pay tribute to you know Pink Floyd at the same time. So it's kind of like really cool. So it's just all music. Uh, is taken care of and uh, yeah and it's just pushed along with real love and care which is I, I think the amount of, of podcasts out there at the moment you know is insane it's you know I'm adding to it I guess we're all adding to it but the quality's not always there so a lot of people don't really think about quality when they're doing a podcast but these guys really really do so really do check it out I think it's, you're, you're gonna love it absolutely um but yeah so holiday back from holiday back to work moving relatively soon i think maybe in the next six weeks it's really fucking complicated we're moving to norfolk and it's really taking forever loads of legal shit um problems with the house that we're moving to oh my god the headache it's it's absolutely insane but there you go i um yeah i'm trying to lighten my mood because i've been quite depressed lately just with with I don't know whatever everything that's going on I suppose in all our lives that's been sort of I don't know underwritten by all this 
you know the coronavirus and what have you so i started um writing songs again but there's a song i've been really really meaning to record for ages called there there goes the summer it's really really super like i don't know it's like pop but alternative pop i, I don't know what the fuck you call it but um kind of like the undertones i guess and um yeah, so I'm doing that on Saturday. I'm just going to take the living room, uh, you know, move some shit about, get the drum kit set up, lay down the drums, get a bass, bass track down, do some guitar and vocal, just take my take my mind off stuff by being creative. And I, I think this podcast is, is great and everything, but I'm, I'm mainly tired every time I do this. I'm shattered and I love doing it. My God, did I have some really, <laughs> just the most amazing conversation with Alison Bell, which I'll be bringing you soon. But also... And the most amazing conversation with uh, Lisa Walker from Wussy, another incredible band. So it does offer some really great outlets. And I just wonder if you're being creative, you know, be creative if you can. I mean, it really does help. I, even if it's just shit creative, even if, do you know, I'm, I'm just going to hold my hands up here. I used to do fucking colouring in books not so long ago, like two or three years ago, I was, I was experiencing some anxiety and it really helped focus my mind, just get really nice um, kind of pencils out and just like, and just start colouring in really extravagant like patterns and stuff. And it somehow, I don't know, it somehow helped me. But, but you know, each to their own. Um, but yeah, anyway, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go now. Uh, I, I hope you are well. I hope you've been coping okay. Really you know stick with this one it's a really freaking great chat ross is such a sweet guy again infectious groove podcast you can find that on all your usual providers i mean type it into to google if you're struggling to find it i mean you won't it's on itunes it's everywhere spotify etc etc they're also on um instagram infectious groove podcast well worth checking out and on twitter so yeah they're, they're across it and they're really interactive so they're going to get back to you look after yourself i'll speak to you soon sunday i will absolutely endeavor to get a show out i presume it's probably going to be alison bell from the lockdown so sorry i fucking knew i'd say that the letdown the australian award-winning comedy written by her and her friend and it's absolutely fucking hilarious if you haven't watched it already it's on netflix it's called the let down okay we're done we're done here good okay the dogs say hello arlo rosie they say hello rosie got a fucking leg around her head jesus hey there can you yeah, hear me hello hey hey man how's it going i can hear you beautifully right on good yeah i can hear you too cool God, wow, you, you've got a sweet setup there, my friend. It's been almost a decade of working on it. And this isn't even the cool angle. This is just the back wall. The, I've, you've seen pictures on Twitter of like the other end of the room. Right, yeah. Where all the, all the records are, yeah. It's, yeah. it's, oh my... I have a very forgiving wife. <laughs> I, I thought that was an actual shop. That's what everybody says, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, well, the, the tables that my records are in, there's a, music store here that's family owned that's been um in business since 1954 and they've only ever moved locations once and i happened to be in there shopping like a day or two before they moved and right. there were these two big record tables still sitting there and i was like well what's with those tables and they were like well there's no room for them at the new place so they're going to go in the dumpster and i was like 
all like hell they are, you know, like <laughs> yeah. things have been selling music for 50 years, you know? So we yeah. packed them up and brought them here. And then, uh, as my record collection grows, I grows, I just, uh, measure those off and, uh, build new, you know what I mean? Build another one just like it. So God. man, no wonder you started a music, a music podcast. It's fucking yeah. insane. <laughs> I'm like, I am so bad. I used to be obsessed with music to the point of, yeah, like, not dangerous pretty dangerous pretty yeah pretty touching pretty touch and go there i was going to ask to be reincarnated as a piece of vinyl um <laughs> I, mem- I remember getting home from a record shop once a second-hand record store and finding that uh, the tom petty damn the torpedoes album wasn't actually in the vinyl sleeve it was well it was another one like a piece of shit singer from the 60s i yeah. was devastated yeah, i well, cried yeah. i fucking cried yeah that's how into it i was yep no i trust me it's yeah it's um what and i talked about this on our show recently the thing that is like i'm harmful is not the right word but the thing that's really hard for me is i genuinely love so many different genres that i don't collect records just to collect them like i i love so much different stuff that sometimes i'll come home from the record store and my wife is just like what you know like why you know like how how did you and one example i always use and this was years ago was um i was in some record store on the other side of town and i saw um the pantera live album on vinyl and i'd seen pantera several times in the early 90s and i was like oh my god yeah hell yeah i'll own this and uh at the the same trip i bought uh lionel richie's self-titled album with uh you are on it because i just love that song and uh so when i got to the register it's like generally i don't care what most people think but i kind of like put lionel richie like in the middle of the records i was buying you know and the guy that (laughs) rung me up the guy that rung me up just looked like the most metal dude ever you know and he scans pantera and he's like all right on you know and he does it and then he picks up the lionel richie record and he's like you are is like the best song ever and no one knows it (laughs) you know and i'm but i'm pretty sure i'm the only person who's ever bought the pantera live album the same day as a used copy of lionel richie's solo record you know oh man i love it i love it that's so cool i thought it'd be quite i I thought it'd be quite funny to actually we're recording by the way just oh right right yeah yeah because otherwise it's like um it's an insurance policy, right? Just just fucking press record before you do anything. Yep. Yeah. I, I started um, using a roadcaster and it's got a the huge green button that turns huge and red. Oh, oh and there I've I've gone and hit a button. Uh, it turns bright red and there's been more than a few times where we're sitting here talking and I'm like, Yep, that button's still green, not red. You know? Yeah. Like, oh yeah. that's terrifying. Terrifying to most podcasters. But I was yeah. I was gonna say, um, cause I would have done a preamble to this, obviously, to uh, make people aware of, of why we're talking, who you are, what the show, your show is all about. But it, it'd be quite cool. I thought about it today, just a bit like um, to try and uh, bring a kind of element of your show into this podcast. So it'd be mm. like what your jammy jams are, which yeah. always make, tickles me. That tickles me big time. I'm sitting at my uh, control board, so. Yeah. Oh, jammy. <laughs> there we go man yeah there we go my, i've got all my uh sounds loaded <laughs> so that that for people who don't who, who don't listen to infectious groove po- podcast is um the basically the music you've been listening to right right yeah because we yeah. it's funny myself and my best friend are similar enough that we often will uh influence each other a lot and then we've got our third guy kyle is, is her boyfriend and he 
is so far off the reservation from what we're listening to that it really draws in a lot of people. Like they're yeah. like, we've had a lot of people be like, I would have never heard of this artist if it wasn't for him, or I haven't heard that artist in forever until he yeah. mentioned it, you know? And then uh, she and I are always. That's Michelle, right? Yeah. Michelle and I are yeah. kind of always talking kind of about the same stuff that, <laughs> that yeah. circulates in our world, you know? Um, yeah. So we've got a good mix and yeah, every week we just say, Hey, this is what we've been listening to. This is what flies on our radar. And you know, if you, you know, you, like you said, you were obsessed with music at one time, you do that thing where you get a song stuck in your head and you have to hear it like right now. And time. that happens to me all the time. And you and I were chatting on Twitter the other day about that, the Motley Crue album. The yeah. album from 94 just popped into my head and now I'm on yeah. some sort of crusade about it. Uh, my wife and I were out <laughs> very late last night we were in the car at about 1.30 or 2 a.m. last night, and I'm explaining to my wife, like, the hows and whys of Vince Neil leaving and why this record wasn't ex- wasn't uh, uh, <laughs> successful commercially. And I could, I could just feel from that side of the car, like, the, the sheer amount of not care, you know? Yeah. But, but, but it didn't stop me from being like, you know, and then in 1997, Vince came back, and they, all they do, you know, I'm like telling her all of this anyways and i'm like and this is all this is all a big preamble just so i can uh put on a song from the album and then have her not listen to the song anyways you know <laughs> listen to this listen to this moment this is the moment that this happens and this is why it's significant and she's like dude i'm falling asleep behind the wheel oh, there the was a up. there was a moment the other night where we were i, I brought up a song from the album on YouTube, because there's a, there's a specific part where Tommy Lee's drumming, well, his drumming on the record is incredible, but there's a specific part where he, it's just out of control. So I brought I brought it up on YouTube, and I'm like, hey, this is the part I always get stuck in my head, and I show her this drum fill, and she literally, and you can see me, the listeners won't be able to, but she literally does exactly this. She goes, okay. <laughs> and like, for me, this is like yeah. the be-all, end-all moment. Like, I hear this drum fill, and it just makes my day, and she's just like, uh-huh. <laughs> You know, you, so. you know it's, it's so funny because I have that exact same thing with Easy Lover by uh, Phil Collins and uh, oh. Bailey or whatever it is. You know, it's like, oh, that that is that's probably next to, um, I would say like next to any Led Zeppelin track. That's probably mm-hmm. my favorite drum track of all time. And I've tried. I I remember, <laughs> I remember my sister doing the whole nodding her head and just going mm, that's nice sweetheart mm-hmm. for literally about 45 minutes we were driving around the scottish countryside like off lock Lomond and all this shit and i've got have you got have you got that phil can we put the phil collins the best of that that, that easy lover and then i'm like fucking bow 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 those freaking hair, the oh. hair high hats in the in the verse you know oh, oh my, God. my my favorite drumming part in that song is going into the very last um pre-chorus where phil comes back with the uh, uh oh you'll never change it right before that that da, 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 like i yeah. mean he is oh, killing it and uh first of all i have i have that seven inch not 20 feet from me like it's it's oh, right it's right right dude. in my records and Man. second of all i actually have yeah. kind of kind of a funny story about that song specifically is um i don't know if you've heard of there's a guitar player named bumblefoot um who's it, yeah, he's so. he, if you if you haven't go to just go to YouTube, type in Bumblefoot and, and take a look. He's he's the epitome of um, uh, just a, a virtuoso. He plays uh, a double neck guitar, and the top neck is um, fretless, and the bottom neck is is fretted, <laughs> and he goes between the two constantly. Like you mentioned, Led Zeppelin. I saw him warm up one time, and he was doing um, 
what is and what should never be. So he was playing the the slide solo on the fretless on the top. Yeah. 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 And then went and then went down to the, you know, the, the fretted neck for the rest of it. Anyways. Sweet. So, and he was in Guns N' Roses for, for years and whatnot. And, um, uh, but anyways, he's a virtuoso and he can play anything off the top of his head. And I've had the uh, pleasure of being friends with him now for, geez, I don't know, over a decade. And, um, he was, was here at my house one time. He had a show in town and he was, um, he's with a progressive rock band now called, uh, Sons of Apollo with, uh, Billy Sheehan and Mike Portnoy. I mean, it's like, you know, okay. all the virtuosos. Yeah. Yeah. Proper prog. And so he's sitting here and he's playing any song people are throwing at him. He's just holding his guitar and chatting with us and playing any song. And uh, somehow Easy Lover came up and he just got this look of joy on his face and he went right into it and started yeah. uh, singing the, um, uh, the Philip Bailey part, like the higher uh, uh, yeah. thing. And another friend of mine who's a DJ here on, on Detroit Rock Radio uh, slams his hand down and he says, uh, you have one of the greatest guitar players living today sitting in your basement and you're going to bring up that crap. And I mean, like 10 people stopped what they were doing and looked at him and were like, excuse me, but easy lover is the jam. <laughs> yeah, nice, <laughs> like nice. everybody was wildly offended that this rock DJ put down easy lover, you know? Oh my God. It's a boss track. I've got to say like, it really, it really fucking is like there's there's nothing that for me, it's a it's a drug track. I put it on and it does shit for me. It really yeah, does. It I, I couldn't out. agree more. Could not agree more. Funk. Um, so like you, so we we've, we've talked a bit like what you're talk um what you're listening to at the moment. You've rediscovered a bit of Motley Crue. Um, you got any get got any others that you're uh, you can put. This latest uh, stretch, I've been into a couple of different things. One, and it's from the same era as Easy Lover. Um, and it's, again, it's one specific track, but um, I found someone by Cher. That it's like it's like kind of her shot at not hair I'm metal, saying, but yeah. yeah, but like late '80s rock. Uh, and then the other, the the one I've been on a kick for like a month or two with um, Michael Jackson's last studio record that he released while he was alive, Invincible. Yeah. That album is crazy good, like crazy good. And uh, yeah. I mean, I never really discounted it prior, but I never really dug into it. And it just every time I listen to it, and uh, we, and again, this is just another funny little thing. But the other couple of weeks ago, my niece and I were sitting down here listening to it, and I was telling her how that record came out in uh, two thousand one. It wasn't properly promoted at all, and pretty much became the blueprint for like Justin Timberlake and that, and that type of artist's career for the next decade. Yeah. And my niece said, Oh my God, I, I can hear the similarities. I, I never even thought about that. So then not even 10 minutes later, another friend of ours walks in the door and sits down. There's a Michael Jackson song called heartbreaker on. And she, she goes, I don't think I've ever heard this Justin Timberlake song. And I was like, see, <laughs> see, see, <laughs> like, see, 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 <laughs> See what yeah, I mean? Yeah. You know, so I've been really, really, really about that. Um, I haven't heard too much new stuff lately, which I think is almost uh, Corona adjacent or, or, you know, health crisis adjacent where. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got know, some bands for you. Oh, right now. Like, yeah. That's one thing yeah. about your show. I looked at your, your show list before I even started listening and I was like, Oh my God, there's so much music here for me to hear about, you know, <laughs> man. It's like two, it's like a couple of PR companies and I'm just rinsing them all. And they're so lovely. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it, you know, I'm quite, it's, 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 it's hard to get guests on and then 
bands on in the middle of the week as well so it's just great to just have this plethora of, of music but um like it'd be really cool to to like give people an idea of where you come from like musically mm-hmm. uh, like, sure. did you, you worked in the industry didn't you or, or you work in the industry I mean, no, I, as far as making music, I've never, I don't have a creative bone in my body. I appreciate the hell out of everybody else who can create art, but I don't. So I've played in, you know, a cover band or two in my time, you know, kind of my way to pull in a little extra money and, you know, pay tribute to a lot of these songs that I love, you know, and, uh, Uh, some were more successful than others. Uh, some of them were ones where we would do things like play easy lover and the bar, the bar would be like, no, we, we really wanted to hear Springsteen and Mellencamp, you know, like turns out all of our customers, uh, leave when you play that crap that no oh, one wants wow. to hear about you, you know? Okay. Um, but then we also had the bands that play, you know, summer of 69 and, and Jack and Diane and all the stuff everybody wants to hear, you Jack know, and, and yeah, yeah. Uh, schools out by uh, Cooper, you know, all the, all the stuff people want all to the hear. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. And um, so I've done that. And then, I mean, I've worked a ton of retail, so I've worked like on the front lines of like, uh, yeah. you know, and back when big box retail was a thing. I did everything I could to encourage people to buy, you know, of course, what I, what I considered to be the good music, you know, somebody would, right. somebody would come in and pick up a record. Oh, no, 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 you don't want that. You know, let me, let me, you know, let me help you out with this over here. And, uh, high, there was high a high fidelity style. Oh, ab- absolutely. Yeah. And there was yeah. a, there was a chain of stores here in, uh, the U S um, the Sam Goody Corporation owned them, and it was like Sam Goody Music Land Media Play. It was basically variants of all of the same brand. And yeah. uh, I got into management for that, and as soon as I could, took over the like the playlist for the stores. You know, so it was yeah. like all these stores were hearing like, yeah. And uh, there's little things that are funny about that, like um, there have been bands like uh, my wife got into bands because she would like my now wife before, years before we even knew each other got into bands because she shopped at those stores and heard them. And oh, I was wow. the guy. Yeah. And I was the guy that put them on the, on the playlist, you know? So that's, that's such a fucking empire record high fidelity moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, like um, I, whenever the subject of Van Halen comes up, I always have to tell people about the, uh, the last time I saw Van Halen, I wish I hadn't because I had seen them so many times and they were great. And then I saw that not the last time, but the last time with Sammy, they came back and did an absolute like for the money reunion tour. And it was just icy cold on stage and not a good show. And, but there was a band that opened for them that night that never went on to anything. And I really thought that they were going to be a big deal. And I said, I pushed, I used to push this band so hard and I put yeah. them on the playlist all the time for media play. And my wife gets this like, aha look on her face. And she's like, yeah, the only place I've ever heard that band was in media. I bought that CD cause I heard it in media play. And I was like, yeah, well, <laughs> I'm the dude that put it on there. And you're the only person who, <laughs> you're the only person who bought it or else we'd, you know, we'd still be talking about it, you know? Yeah. yeah um, let's get married. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, I've helped run, a couple of different really big music forums worldwide, which I, I think what has helped the audience for the, the podcast um, expand like pretty fast is yeah. because uh, I helped. Uh, and that's actually how I became friends with uh, Ron Thal was uh, I used to run, I think, I think it's the biggest, I didn't create it, but the biggest um, guns and roses online fan forum okay, in the world. Yeah. And, uh, that's a 
that's a toxic environment. Guns N' Roses fans. It's a, uh, Jesus it's, Christ. It's, yeah. it's, yeah. And I did what I are could we talking for like a plethora of like rednecks and then all the way to the left wing. What are we like? Super, super freaks. And, um, there's a little of everything, but there's a lot of people yeah. who, there's a lot of people who never grew out of, like they fell in love with the 1987 Axl Rose, like the, um, you know, uh, disrespectful towards, you know, women and other races and does what he wants and walks off stage. Like that's the guy they fell in love with and they yeah. never grew past that in their life, okay. you know? And yeah. the thing, the thing, the other thing with GNR is they've been through so many different lineup changes that you get fans that when they found GNR, that's their GNR and you can't, you can't rip it from them, you know, like, and, and these right. people get, these people will tear each other apart about like, <sighs> You know, you'll get, you'll get user illusion era fans who say your guys on appetite didn't mean anything at all, you know, and then those appetite guys go after the user illusion guys. And then there's guys like, like when I grew up, I grew up a huge Floyd fan and yeah. everybody I knew was like, you have to pick Roger or Dave or Sid. You have to, there's, there's yeah. no, in the, and I was the guy going, well, I like, I like some songs on, on Piper. I like everything they did with Roger. I like a couple of songs from Momentary Lapse Reason. I love the Division Bell. I like some of Dave Solis. Like, yeah. No, no. I'm just the general fan. I I like all. And people will be like, no, 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 no. You have to pick. And that's how GNR yeah. fans are. They you have to pick. Oh, I know? get it, man. Like, definitely. Like, I suppose it would be like you know the equivalent of like, like Blur and Oasis or Liam and Noel. You know, you, you had you had a favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, man. I was a f- super freak though. I was just obsessed with like status quo and um, fucking like basically when before let so status quo is super seventies like English rock band. Mm-hmm. I'll send you. I'll send you a few of their tracks. You'll definitely like a few of them. I got sure. I got turned on to them uh, through Live Aid. Uh, oh, okay, when, when there we I, go. Yeah, because when you know when you when, when you're a kid and you're in America, you're like, what's a status quo? You know, like because they weren't really a big <laughs> yeah. deal over here. But yeah. then I watched them and I was like, oh, okay, you know, that, yeah. okay, yeah, that'll work. But yeah, yeah but yeah, awesome. that thing, there's so much division among fans and I'm just like, wh- you know, yeah. why, you know, but it's fu- go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying it's, it's, it's passion. It's kind of fun. It's, it's fun up to a point. You don't want to be like, yeah, you know, like when people start getting freaky and people start yeah. getting really, really creepy, weird. Like sometimes, you, you know, I'm sure you've done it many times. You go to a gig, you get to the front of the stage and you'll meet the super fans and it's, and it's a little bit scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of like you know it dilutes slightly as you go further back I mean like I've had that with Springsteen on a number of occasions and I like to, I like to go in the middle of the stadium or the festival to see Springsteen mm-hmm. because uh, there's a moderate, moderate, moderate amount of fans as right. in like you know they're, they're, their way of thinking about you're Bruce not, as in he's you're not, not the actual you're not back in the back with people who are checking their phones until Born in the USA happens right? and, yeah. and you're also not next to the people that if you get a word wrong they're like you know Who's throwing beer to yeah mad at you for even breathing the same air as them yeah yeah, um, yeah exactly but what i was gonna say about the gnr thing is it's i i re, within the last year i kind of exited that world because it just got to a point where i was like, i just can't i can't do this anymore but i yeah. did get a lot of things out of it i have i have friends all over that like just last night i was uh texting with a friend in australia who i would have never met before um, because of that forum. And then, you know, I've become friends with Bumblefoot through it. And he's just, he, he's just the sweetest, kindest human being. And I would have, you know, had he not played in GNR and, yeah. um, uh, and that's, unfortunately, that's kind of a backwards thing is when, whenever a new member came into GNR, 
and there was always some sort of like political upheaval with amongst the fans and the fans were getting to a point with him when he joined where they were posting a lot of things that were untrue about his personal life right online and whatnot and uh just crazy toxic environment and he reached out to me back then um just shot me an email and said i've seen a lot of your posts online you seem like a level-headed guy like can you help me dispel some of this stuff and i said oh you know absolutely you know and and so years later he i think he quit gnr about six years ago or so and then i kind of got out of the whole world about a year ago uh well over the last year and uh the two of us are a lot happier now <laughs> and we're, and we're yeah. still friends. So I can imagine. So Kai, you put yourself in the, on the, uh, you put yourself in the firing line with, with, with that kind of shit for sure. Like, yeah, definitely. Um, I kind of, I know what you mean. I, I, I very rarely touched, I touched that kind of world with my podcast, you know, cause people, I think that the only, the show used to be quite political and I, the only time I've ever had any interaction with kind of scary people is um, when I've had female uh, guests um, like mixed heritage or or what have you, specifically a woman called Gina Miller I've had on the show. She's a, um, a solicitor, a lawyer, um, uh, fighting Brexit and stuff. And oh my God, the vitriol she got was insane. But um yeah, look how the how the fuck did this podcast come into fruition, and how did it how how the hell did you start it? And I, I mean, I, I sure. I'm just thinking it's got to be beers in the pub, right? And you start uh, talking. Yeah, so you have um, first things first. I'm always always talking about music, always recommending music, always you know, oh, what are you listening to? Wanted to talk to everybody about music all the time, and nearly every person i know for for years said oh my why don't you have your own podcast you should have a music podcast and then i said oh i'll get to it i'll get to it that would be awesome you know and then and then there's always a little bit of fear of nobody wants to listen to me talk to me like it's one thing talking to your friends about music you know but it's another thing to just put it out in the world and then you know mm-hmm. check the app and come to the realization that 14 people total want to hear what you have to say right, world yeah. world worldwide and you know oh, well, uh, yeah and like uh one's your sister and you know what i mean you're like uh you know yeah. so part of it was that like um fear to to actually put it out in the world and then um the the team that worked for me in the last industry that i was in um, all literally got together and just said, okay, we're sick of hearing you talk about this. And for like, I think it was for Christmas, they all chipped in together to buy like a mixer and mics and stuff. And we're like, you know, this is wow. our Christmas gift to you. Like, you know, you, now you have everything and you have no excuses. And then I still sat around for two years. <laughs> this was, oh my God. This was literally two years ago. And I had all the equipment sitting right where you're looking at me now except i just never hooked any of it up and i could oh i'll get i'll get to it i'll get to it yeah i know i know i know it's 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 terrible and um so uh michelle was a huge supporter way before we even discussed like oh and maybe you'll be on the show with me or anything like that she she was just like every week she would come over to spin records or just hang out and every time she would be like just and you've heard her on the show she's very dry you know, she would just yeah, be like, yeah, yeah. She yeah. takes a lot of shit from you guys as well. It's hilarious. <laughs> she, she <laughs> it's does. like endless. Yeah, and so <laughs> she would she would come over and she would go to put her beer in the fridge and she'd go, "Oh, I I see you haven't done anything with any of that equipment yet." You know, and then like that would be it. You know, and so she was always um, dry in in her own supportive way, and so she kept on it, kept on it, kept on it, and then literally earlier this year, um, 
well, geez, probably like the last week of December, um, her and Kyle just started up uh, a Facebook chat with me, like just the yeah. three of us together. And I was like, well, what's, what's going on? I thought maybe we were planning a surprise for my wife or something, you know? Yeah. And they were like, okay, we're drawing a line in the sand. Like we're, we're like, we're going to help you start this podcast. Like now, like, what are we going to name it? And then over the, over the, like four or five names got thrown out. And I was like, well, out of all of them, I like infectious groove the most. And then, and then literally her and her and Kyle were like, okay, so it's the infectious group podcast. Like, okay. And what do we, what do we want to talk about in every, every episode? And I was like, well, I'm convinced nobody wants to know, but you know, I'd like to talk about what we're listening to. And they're like, okay, so that's going to be a segment, you know, and it literally was <laughs> yeah, just like, yeah, yeah. and then, uh, we got into early January and it was like, they were just like, okay, so you know, we, we decided amongst us that we're going to do this every week and we're going to force you to do it, whatever. And we want to come over on this day to record and we're going to start putting them out every week, starting this week. Right. And I was like, yeah. And I was just like, okay. Like, you know, this is it. like, let's, let's get going, you know? So you had some t two really good friends, basically. Basically. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And t took you by the hand and went, you're fucking doing this. Yep. Absolutely. And I couldn't yeah. be, I couldn't be happier. You know I mean? Like literally just, just earlier today we hit um we're 29 episodes in now because we've yeah. done it uh once per week since the last week of january and just earlier today we hit um five thousand plays overall overall which is you know i don't know anything about podcast analytics uh just yet but yeah. i'm impressed with that number you know mate you, you it's, it's it's funny isn't it expectations and stuff i i i am I, um, I don't i never know when i'm happy or what i'm happy about i, I never know when to be happy so yeah. you've got to take every you know that's a win that's really mm -hmm. great and it's fun it's a fun show you know i i, I laugh that's not often that happens I, I don't know. I think it's your dry sense of humor. You know, you guys and you, the chemistry you guys have, it's very, it's wicked. You're wicked to one another. And it's funny. Um, That's the number one thing that we get is people say, you know, we can tell that it's a genuine thing. And like, even when you say like, we, you know, we should have Michelle and trust me when I tell you, she gives it right oh, back. Yeah. And, and it's, yeah. uh, but people can tell that it's genuine and it's, it's not forced. And when we say we love this, or if, you know, if someone says, uh, this artist and I go, let me tell you why I don't like them or whatever. Like, it's not, you know, yeah. we have no agenda, you know, like, uh, I think I said in one of the early episodes, I do like to keep things positive. So I don't, you know, there's so much out there on the internet of, yeah. uh, the most overrated songs of all time, the most overrated movies of all time. And it's like, well, why is, bullshit. why is underrated not better than overrated? You know, like, let's talk about that. Let's talk about what, yeah. you know, what people should be listening to you know in worst case like you said earlier you listen to the motley crew record you know and, yeah. you, and you liked a bit of what you heard worst case scenario you play that for 30 seconds you go well, i don't know what he's talking about i don't like this record and then and then you just move yeah. on yeah you yeah, exactly that's like the the premise of the ramones albums you know it's like the the, the fucking their first the, what i don't know rocket to russia was like 22 minutes long or something mm -hmm. it's like if you don't like it you like go for a shit and it's over forget about it don't worry <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know it's not gonna hurt you just yeah give it a go and that's it. It, but that, and that's what we get is people just saying like you know oh, we've I think the two most common things said is that people uh, like our sense of humor and that it's good natured, and they like that it's people have told us they feel like they're sitting here with us in on the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Which, definitely. So you know, I, I, think, I couldn't be happier with with uh, with where we're at and the response that we get and the you know because you have your inside jokes that with you and your friends that you think are hilarious, 
you know? Yes. And so if no yes. one else gets it, then it's going to be a turnoff, you know, and it seems to be people are catching on to what we do, you know? Yeah, no, it's cool. It's, 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 it's cool. Like I, I don't, I don't feel like it's got too cliquey, which is good. Um, I think I, I think when this up when some some people listen to say a Mark Maron show, Mark Mark Maron's been doing that for ten years. He, it still doesn't it doesn't feel cliquey. Like there yeah. are certain things like he talks about his cats or whatever, but it's never like oh fuck me man here we go again talking about this really weird cliquey thing he did on the twenty first of December whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he just he just keeps it really cool and and brings everyone in. That's, that's what you guys do really well, and I I really do recommend that people give it a go because you know and you, you go to so many different um you know uh, topics as well so you know you'll you'll bring up like your best gigs ever mm. and that's really cool um i really like what like because you do what makes a good gig mm-hmm. um we do a combination like what's your favorite gig your 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 most like i don't know i don't know the one you love the most not necessarily favorite but one that you you love the most um, the, the one that meant the most to me of every concert I've ever seen uh, has to be when I, the first I've seen it twice, but the first time that I saw Roger Waters do the wall because it's the wall is my favorite record of all time by anybody. And I don't know. Did you get a chance to see that too? I don't know if you're even really that big into Floyd. I know you just talked to Guy Pratt, but (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I've literally no delicate sound of thunder uh, division bell. And And then obviously like the hits. Right, right, but, right. But no, I'm not a big Floyd. I'm, I love, I like Floyd, but I'm not like a Floydy fan. Like right, I'm right. not like a poster on the wall kind of guy. So when them. they, when they toured for the wall, it was a very, very brief tour, like the actual Pink Floyd, the wall tour, like 80, 81 or whatever. It was a very, very brief tour, but they literally brought like an entire wall to build in oh, front yeah. of the stage and put the projections. The live stuff. Yeah. So when Roger did it, it was like a supersized version of it with updated technology. So it was like, now you're dealing with 4k projectors that could like light brick by brick. And, um, you know, and he's got world-class musicians with him making it sound exactly as, as, as the way it should. And, uh, to be able to sit and watch the person who wrote my favorite record of all time, do it exactly, not just sonically, but, presentation wise exactly the way that it was meant to be done yeah i mean it just means the world to me you know um that's easily the, my favorite gig but i've geez, i've i've seen so many that mean things for different reasons like for okay you know how these days you hear about um uh, they use the word the term wrong but you hear about these hologram tours you know, where they have like, uh, and they uh, do that with Elvis. Uh, so you, they did, but with Elvis and that's funny, I'm going to reference the, the Elvis uh, yeah. tour they did with Elvis. But what they did it with Elvis was like, if you go to a concert these days and you know, you have the lead singer in the band or whatever, generally there's like one big screen that's focused on the lead singer. And then there's usually like two screens on the side that'll be focused on like the live band and yeah. back. This is probably 20, 22 years ago now. They did a tour like that with Elvis where he was on film from like the seventies in concert and they stripped away uh, all the audio off of it, except for his live vocal. And then on stage they had um, his, the exact same guys and girls that he used to play with his same backup band and his same two. Yeah. So when Elvis is on stage, 
he's singing live and his his exact same backing backing band is playing the songs live while he's singing along and then he turns around and introduces them and everything and it's the same people oh standing God, right there mental. so i saw that tour twice and being a huge elvis fan it was great for me in the first place but the second one really mattered to me a lot because uh that when they brought it here the second time it fell near uh mother's day and so me and all my best friends took uh, all of our moms on dates to see oh. to see the show which was really cool because of course our all of our moms were like right in that era when he was huge yeah sure. and they and they were just happy as hell that all their sons genuinely liked elvis you know like that the we were all yeah and so it was really cool for like you know every other one is like uh one of my best friends and his mom and another best friend and his mom and then there's me and my mom and my mom has since passed on um, oh, I'm sorry to hear that, my friend. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I've listened to your show. I know that you've dealt with uh, the loss of a parent. Actually, both of my folks have, have gone now. And uh, But music is a huge connection, and Elvis specifically is a huge connection with my mom, and I'll always have that. Like every time I yeah. listen to a live Elvis record, I yeah. think about uh, being at that particular show. You know, it was just amazing. It's like, it's not exactly Elvis in concert, but it's as close as you're going to get. And we all got to see it with our moms, you know? Yeah. So that was, Mate, a, it was a great amount yeah. of fun. That is awesome. Like that's such a connection, isn't it? I have mm -hmm. that with, um, I think what I meant, like, yeah, like not like the best gig I've ever seen. Um, or maybe it is, I don't know, but certainly one that has a, a lot of significance to me is seeing Brian Adams at Wembley, um, Wembley arena 96 with the, on that, um, the only on the 18 till I die tour right and on. I was man I was like 15 16 or whatever and he opened with um the only thing that looks good on me is you oh nice fuck man yeah. it was non-stop it was one of the greatest most incredible gigs I've to this day and man he is like the, the for the encore there's a stage in the middle of the in the, in the state oh yeah in the stadium yep and I've seen Aerosmith do that yeah I've seen Aerosmith so do that cool. where they like come out halfway through the show and do like a secondary yeah and actually i saw i saw you two do that in uh yeah 92 if you uh if you look at um the 1992 uh, video music awards they do uh, yeah. um u2's performances live from uh pontiac michigan and uh, i was at that show and, oh, uh, and halfway through the show you two came out to the middle of that giant stadium and did that did like an acoustic breakdown and then went back to the big stage to do the rest of it yeah man that's how you do it man i love i just love it i love bands that are like right we're here to entertain like we're mm -hmm. gonna bring it to you oh man my, and nothing my makes me happier like amazing like you said when he kicked off with that like that moment of the lights go down and that you know and you can tell right in the first I don't know, minute of the song, what the artists came to do. If they came to just do their job and go, or if they really want to engage. And, You're so you know, right. and, and uh, that inside of that first minute, when you get the impression that like they're there to engage with you, it's the, it's the best feeling. You're just like the next two hours is going to be the greatest thing. You know? Yeah, for sure. Do you think that, do you think that's an easier thing to do um, at a stadium level or at a small gig level, or is it just all the same? I think that the artist intention matters more than the size of the venue. Like we, we just talked about this on the last um, episode, but Garth Brooks, I've, I've seen Garth Brooks in a 1500 seat place in Las Vegas and I've seen him in a 77,000 seat arena and both shows felt exactly the same as far as um, personal 
goes. Yeah. Because he's he's there to make a connection. You can tell that he doesn't go, you know, punch a time clock and then go, okay, hit it, let's go, let's mm -hmm. go sing the country songs, you know, and then just checks and punches out and goes. He's no, very sure. engaged with the audience. And then I've also seen artists at a 500 seater, maybe we'll say uh, to keep it as positive as possible, we'll say artists who are well past their prime, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Um, in the public view and, and uh, you know, and in their ability. And they will, you can very much tell that they're on that tour just to make whatever money they can. And they're, you know, right. just to punch a clock and go. So I think I, the venue size doesn't matter to me. Um, I think the artist's intention controls the vibe in the room totally. Yeah, no, I lo I know exactly what you mean by that. I think we've all, everyone will will have experienced that. I think the hardest one is when you go and see a, someone that you really, really love, and and they underdo it. Like oh, I, was, I went yeah. to see Tom Tom Petty in the Heartbreakers at um, Covent um, Madison Square Garden, and uh, we my mum and I went over there um, specifically to see him, and it was just I don't know what the fuck I was expecting. I think I was just like expecting tom petty 1977 or something just mm -hmm. like throwing himself around but i, I didn't know that guy was, is like was a pretty much a functioning heroin addict you know yeah. or like a drug addict i didn't know all this shit and how it riddled his body and just completely torn him apart but they played for pretty much exactly an hour and a half and just played the best of the best of tom petty and the heartbreakers and i was like i don't know i was expecting some album tracks here man yeah you know like yeah. uh, especially, I've I've already seen Springsteen like three or four times prior to that, and I was like, Britain. It's not necessarily the length; it's just the tracks that you choose to play. You know mm -hmm. why? Why like, play? You know, I'm an enormous Black Crows fan, and the yeah. Black Crows they're set. Well, not so much anymore. Now they're a corporation with you know just the two brothers and whatever. Anyways, it, that's a whole thing I could go on about. But uh, <laughs> back when it was quote unquote the real Black Crows. Um, their set list would be different every single night. Like, and I don't mean different, like, uh, you know, three or four songs. I mean, a hundred percent different every single Jesus. night. And they had the, the crows have six or seven studio records or so. And they, they didn't become that, you know, how some artists go, Oh, I'm not playing the hits anymore. I'm not, you know, yeah. they, they didn't do that, but they wouldn't just bust out hard handle or she talks to angels because now it's time to get a pop from the crowd or now yeah. it's time to start the encore. Um, they would just do those songs as they fell naturally into the set list. If they did, you know, I, I remember I saw the black crows over 20 times and I used to, when I would bring new people with me, I, before we bought the tickets, I would be like, you should be aware that there's a one in 20 chance that they're going to play. She talks to angels. So like, if you're coming right. to hear that song, like, you know, I'm, I'm telling you this, this show is going to be amazing, but if you're going to hear specifically that song, like you're buying a lottery ticket, you know, you're right, not buying a yeah. concert ticket, you're buying a lottery ticket. And uh, in the 20 plus times I saw them, I think maybe they played it like three times, you know, but yeah, I love that they would just come out and do like, these are the songs that we want to play that yeah, like for yeah. somebody like me, like I, their third and fourth records, I think are flawless. And most black crows fans are on the first two records, you know, and kind of fell off by the third or fourth. And I think I've seen them do every song on the third yeah. and fourth records over time that's yeah. awesome for me well mate that's great for you i mean i, I came in on by your side when they were um promoting oh, what um, a great record. like like stop kick stop kicking my heart around yeah. i was like because i then i think i was a bit of a dc ac dc fan or, or newly newly promoted from status quo to ac dc <laughs> and i was I, I was like 
Whoa, this was on it was on a program called T TGI Friday or TG yeah, TGI Fridays, uh TGI Friday on Channel Four over here. Um and uh it was a fucking amazing program that it was like live bands, great um uh guests on the show talk about like, I don't know, whatever, T V films, whatever. And um and the, he had fucking you guys, amazing you, bands you, on there. You guys have us beat cold on music programming, like uh, as far as oh, really? the US goes. Our US pro, our music programming over the years is pales in comparison to what you guys like. I'm I'm forever trying to sell people on uh, later with Jules Holland and it's so uh, good. Yeah, I mean, there's just it's it's you're, the, the, I think the UK overall has a much deeper appreciation for music as an art form than US does. Oh, really? I really okay. do. Um, so anyways, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just had to say that no, no. You, I, you guys are it's blessed with that. Point. Like we are not. Uh, but so you heard what? the black, the black rose kicking my heart around on there. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was incredible. And we were very lucky. We don't have that show anymore. We, and we literally only have, um, we have a radio program of six music and then we have, yeah, late with Jules Holland, but that's pretty much it, mate. But I think, um, seeing, black crows oh my god that was incredible and then a few and about 10 years later i got to see them when they did the lion tour oh um, yeah which was cool that's um, a great record too there is. i'm yeah, finally getting but, that on vinyl in about two weeks it's being reissued for the first time ever and that's like one of my holy grail records that i've never been able to own because our yeah. original original pressings of lions go for like four or five six hundred bucks oh, man. <clears throat> and it's being reissued for record store day in like two weeks from today and uh after years of almost buying it for four or five or six hundred dollars uh, for an original pressing, I'm going to walk into the record store and get it for like twenty five dollars in like two weeks. And I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> what's uh, the what's the name of the drummer from uh, Black Crows? Because he's got uh, a book out. Right? Steve Gorman. Steve, yeah. yeah. Uh, Steve Gorman's book is the reason why uh, Steve Gorman is no longer welcome in the Black Crows. <laughs> I, I'm guessing so. that was like a year ago. Right. Because yeah. um, my, my friend Kev, um, who's basically a semi-producer of this show he um he said like you should get guy pratt on the show you get bernie marsden on the show and you should try and get um gore this gorham guy on the show and i was like he's never gonna fucking come on my podcast yeah. but like i tried what, he... so hard like we're, we're so new that i have no business uh asking him but I, I tried so hard to get him on the show like and i feel like I was almost worried that, you know, it would just be me for 20 minutes being like, you, you were awesome in the black cars. You know? <laughs> <Not even laughs> actually, I was listening yeah. to your, your interview with Guy Pratt yesterday. And I was just like, I don't know if I could do that. Like it's because I'm such a huge Michael Jackson fan and I'm a huge Pink Floyd fan. And one of my favorite shows of all time. Um, I saw a guy with Pink Floyd twice in 1994. And the second yeah. night that I saw him, uh, they did the entire dark side of the moon for the first time in 20 years that night and then they went on it became a huge thing after that but the very first time Crazy. they did it you know and guy was there and i feel like i would have just kept reminding of that like hey do you remember do you remember playing that show because i was there you know <laughs> like, i think um, he'd, he'd do really well on your show he'd love to be on it like i i don't know how it would work but like um he's actually i think he's got set up like you so he'd probably be able to like plug in. I can I can always like just email him and see what he says. I'm pretty sure he'd like to. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a pretty cool guy. I'll, well, first, all I can do is say um, thank you for even making the offer. And second, um, all I can do is say um, I will do my best not to embarrass you if it works out. <laughs> melt, melt. <laughs> yeah, i will be like, boy, that guy sure wanted to talk about that one yeah. concert he went to. But, like, <laughs> you know, such a huge, I, I, I learned on your episode yesterday. Uh, I did not know. That that it was Guy Pratt playing bass on Earth Song. 
I yeah, love, yeah, I yeah. love that. I mean, history is my uh, favorite. Uh, yeah. History is my favorite Michael Jackson record. And I don't know how it got past me for what, 25 years now that Guy Pratt was playing bass on that cut. Like, and I, I, I almost fell off the couch yesterday. I was listening to Charles. I was like, what? <laughs> you know? And so, uh, you know, but uh, what I was going to say was about the, the Steve Gorman thing. Like um, I tried so hard to get him on, but we're at such a newer show that I didn't think it would work out. Yeah. But um, yeah, Gorman put out that book and his, his thing is if you listen to rich, richest side of it is, you know, Chris was a giant asshole. And if you listen to Chris, Chris will tell you, Rich is a giant asshole and Steve Gorman's the only guy that's been literally sitting between them as the yeah. drummer and he has no skin in this game. He has no reason to say Rich was right about this or Chris was. So from what I haven't read the book yet, but I've been told that inside of the first 20 pages, he got himself like fired permanently from the Black Crows. Like, like inside the first 20 pages, he said wow. stuff that the Black Crows, you know, and it's funny because everything I admire about the Black Crows, they have, um, completely become the opposite of that now with their new quote unquote reunion tour where yeah. it's just rich and chris two guys who openly hate each other uh with three hired musicians and they're doing their first record front to back on the tour every night it's like the exact yeah. opposite of like you know what i mean everything oh, i man. just gushed about the crows that's the, that's the opposite yeah or like it's it's, it's funny isn't it because like i think there's like a you know like they, they fell apart or for whatever yeah obviously it takes they've been going for a long long time so they're doing pretty well to kind of relatively still be mm -hmm. intact with some respect mm -hmm. but then you've got bands like Weezer um, who f for my money like they were untouchable for those first three records absolutely untouchable mm -hmm. um, I saw them in two thousand and one and then at Brixton Academy which is probably about five thousand capacity and then. I saw them at Reading Festival it was the most terrifying experience of my life. Oh, but I've, but I've they, been I've been to that show where you're like I don't I think I think this is where I'm going to die. Is that this oh, concert? Oh oh yeah, I was f f fearing for my fucking life, mm -hmm. and I'm not even putting that mildly. I was no, terrified. I, 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 I've, I off the time I had, I can think of at least two experiences where I was like, I think this is where I die, and like not even remotely in a funny way. Like yeah, in the moment I was like, I think this, I think I'm done. Like I think this is it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when you mention uh, oh, uh, Weezer, it's funny. Uh, we always make reference to, there's kind of a side character to our show, a uh, friend of the show, Joe. And uh, yeah, yeah. he comes over every week for uh, to spin records. And he's a, he's a huge Weezer fan. And I don't, I don't hate Weezer, but I don't love him. And he's forever on Friday nights when we have a stack of records. He's always trying to slip a Weezer, <laughs> Weezer record into get, this day. But my, my, point, my point is, and maybe you can pick up on it as well, is uh, bands that have stayed together but just become really shit like mm -hmm. and it's harsh on Weezer because I know that they still they still do mix it up in their shows like their live shows are still quite interesting but their music now is just such drivel it's such dog shit it's like I don't know what they're doing there like I think people you, run you know out I mean? of um they run out of inspiration you know like when you get to a point where everything is handed to you you know you, I just don't know what you have to be passionate about anymore, right. you know, like I'm going to, I'll give you two examples that I think, um, I think fall into what you're talking about and they, they couldn't be different, more different artists. 
Yeah. But um, one is Eminem and the other is uh, Bon Jovi. Like Bon Jovi, was, it's cut very, very much from the Springsteen cloth, like working class, like we can do this, you know, and that's where they got all their big hits from, One Dead or Alive, from working on the road constantly, uh, living on living on a prayer from, you know, like this is the exact Springsteen thing of like, we you know, we can do this. And then, what, you know, when you get to be Bon Jovi by like 1995, like it's not even... Uh, that you don't have any inspiration anymore. There's, there's no way to believe that message anymore coming from, you know, like when you're, when you're literally on tour for 300 nights a year, working your ass off and you're singing these songs that, that happened to you and your friends in real life a year ago, I can believe that. And I can buy into it. When you come out of your mansion, you know, and come, come down the hill to, you know, perform maybe six months and you're doing like two tour dates a night and you're still trying to sell me on new songs about the, the hard, you know, the hard life of a, the average New Jersey. And, you know, like, you know, and then you look at the Springsteen last, Springsteen still manages to do it. Springsteen does it, but he uh, puts himself in the shoes of the, of the average man in his and it's like he he speaks broader to like the the problems of the average man, whereas Bon Jovi is very much still trying to to do that one thing, you know, the, yeah. the one specific story, and yeah. you just run out of uh, out of inspiration. And I, the other example I was going to say is Eminem. You know, his first three records are highly revered, and it's because he was an angry young man, very emotional, you know, very like yeah. felt very wrong by the world. Didn't like a lot of what he was seeing going on in the world. And he had a, a new platform and, and, and said everything he wanted to say. And so now these days, it's not like you don't look at somebody like that and go, Oh, well, Eminem must've just become less talented. Um, he's every bit as talented. He just doesn't have that driving fire anymore. Like what is a guy who drives, you know, high end, sports cars out of his mansion going to offer to yeah. the average man you know what i mean that you can relate oh to. yeah completely man like it's like put well the fuck put it you can't you've got to be able to suspend your disbelief a little bit like, right I mean, we all mm -hmm. we all know that our favorite artists artists have gone off and maybe i mean some of my favorite bands like the cribs who are a british uh sort of punk bands um indie punk band from from over here two of them live in the states they've still kept that like they're they're not wealthy by any stretch of the imagination but they're still just about making enough to keep going yeah. and they're um they're fucking phenomenal like but but like but, that with with weezer and i just think that people weezer, lose their weezer. lose their drive you know what i mean they just lose their drive and yeah i hate to. there's no right way to word this i i don't want to say it's a positive but one thing that i hope that comes out of the current situation that we're in is that a lot of these comfortable artists who all of a sudden had their entire world pulled out from under them. I would like to see some of them get some of that fire back. Like, you know, like what, what you yeah. know, like, Hey, it, Absolutely. it's, it's not just as easy as, you know, December, January calling your guy and going, Hey, let's book a summer tour with whatever band is like us. And, you know, like, let's yeah. over like that. Now you can't do that, you know, and I, it's not just an easy paycheck anymore. Yeah, no, exactly, man. Like, you, you've got to hope that, that something like that happens. I mean, the, what the vibe I'm getting from a lot of artists, artists is, is that they are just, they're like, first of all, they found it really hard to be like, right, I've got two weeks. I better, or no, you know, I've got time now on my own. I better write something great. And they can't because it's too much pressure. But now yeah. it's gone on and on and on. It's starting to be like a little bit more terrifying. Yeah. Um, whether whether or not ever, anything's ever going to fucking happen again, which of course it will. It it's will. Just, <laughs> It well, will. Yeah. It's just who, 
Yeah, yeah. I have friends of mine that bought the last concert we got to go to was in the second week of February um, yeah. concert. We actually went to a comedy event in early March, I think. Um, there's a there's a very funny show, or at least funny to me, from Canada called uh, Letter Kenny, and yeah. they they do a you know tour with it's basically it's live sketch from the show. We saw that tour, and to give you an idea of how close to like the deadline of the world erupting it was, um, we saw that tour. They were supposed to play in a friend of mine's town a couple of nights later, and the the morning after our show, the rest of their tour got canceled. So like we we were like up to the eleventh hour, we were at you know live yeah. events, and I had friends of mine around that time that were buying tickets for concerts in like August. Uh, September, October, and they were like, well, well, this whole thing will be over by then. And I was like, no, <laughs> no it won't. No. Um, the only tickets I had for the entire rest of the year was I was going to go see Roger Waters again. And uh, about early, early April, he rescheduled his entire tour for the whole, ne- no, next year. He moved, yeah. uh, he, he was supposed to play here in July of this year and he moved it to July well, yeah. next year. I saw Roger Waters at, Gla- at Glastonbury Festival once, and it was fucking insane. It's absolutely amazing. Like, got a whole deck of cards out on stage. But anyway, I just thought I'm running out of time here slightly. But I what I wanted to ask because you're from Detroit, I'm from sunny London. Mm-hmm. Heatwave, the heatwave is finally fucking over. Thank Christ. Um, we've been melting. What, that was the other thing. Watching your social media and everything, I'm like, I don't know if he's going to make it to the show. He's going to be yeah. dying. I did a chat with B Dolan the other day on Monday and I was, I had to do it topless. I apologized so, so profusely to him. Um, That's funny though. It was hideous. It was bad. But um, what you you mentioned in uh, like the back and forth we've been having that you're like, you can literally drive 20 minutes and you're in Hitsville. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's crazy. And then I can get in a car and drive like fucking 20 minutes and I'm near where David Bowie like lived and I'm like Abbey Road or whatever the fucking endless. It's so funny. Moments. One of one of my dreams in life is to come and do like a musical tour of London and just you know, oh baby, see everything. And and it's it's but it's not lost on me where I live. You know, like I like mm. I can drive up and down what's called Woodward Avenue here, and I can like stop and show you the corners where like the temptations would sing with a hat on the ground and oh. got discovered by Barry, like Barry Gordy literally like pulled over and was like, what's, you know, what's going on here. And then what, what the fuck is, whoa, know, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. Let me, let me drive you guys about 10 minutes up Woodward and we'll, you know, go to Hitsville yeah, and just you know, get, get in the car, shut yeah, the fuck yeah, up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Be quiet till we get in front of the mics, you know, <laughs> Uh, but, uh, like when I first did, when I, cause you can go to her studio a and they sh- it's, it's amazing. You, you know, they take you through the whole history of the Gordy family before even Barry started the company and all that. And it's amazing. Yeah. And they show you the different ways they used the house for like natural reverb and things like that. It's very fun, entertaining, uh, tour. And then I just assumed that when you got to studio a, when you got to the actual, cause that's obviously the, the grand finale of the tour. I thought for sure it was going to be a door with like plexiglass over it. And they would just be like, and there's studio a have a look. All right. The gift shop's right over here. You know, like I just assumed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here's a plexiglass. And, and then we get to the studio a and the, in the, 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 um, tour guide steps aside and she goes, okay. And as soon as you go down the steps, you'll be, in, in the magical studio a, and I was just like, I almost looked like tiptoed down the steps. I'm just like, I, why I shouldn't be allowed to stand on these floorboards, you know, and right. you talk about a vibe. Like I'm literally getting 
goosebumps describing this to you right now. When you you're standing on the same floorboards where uh, heat wave, you know, heat wave uh, dancing oh, in the streets. Oh, well done, well done. D- dancing in the streets, my girl, uh, ABC. Jesus. You know, you're Christ. you're standing in the same spot where they all too argued, much. Yeah, where they argued over, uh, you know, the vocals on what's going on, and you know, like that stuff happened in that room, and you're just like. I can't believe I'm standing in the same space. Like I never occurred to me that they'd let you stand in there. And uh, anytime we have people uh, come to town from the rest of the U S or we've had friends in town from uh, Brazil and Australia, for whatever reason, they never think of it. And I always go, you know, do you want to go to Hitsville while you're here? And they're always like, Oh my God, I didn't even think about that. You know, and they're blown away when they get there, you know? Oh my God. But, But if you're, if you're super, super passionate, like about music, which clearly you um, are you are you passionate about music, Russ? I, I don't know if I. Uh, um, I've yeah. been told I am. I don't know if I yeah. believe that. It's um, an element. There's the, something. The jury's still you. out. Yeah, the jury's still out. I think you. Yeah, and it's like you go to those places and you just get an, an, a moment of like, and it just comes to you in a moment of realization. Holy fucking shit like i am mm. standing where this yeah like you described but it is very important to the people that are passionate about it it really fucking means something but i had that with um where i used to work at ringo stars as just as a shitty groundsman um for about two or three about a couple of years and um he invited me into his studio and um just to, to, to i don't know to fucking hang out i think i was talking about his drums or what have you and i'm i'm writing about it at the moment in this little memoir i'm writing but he was like he was like just play on the just have a go on the drums. And I started playing my fucking Sharona. And it was, I mean, yeah, I came out. I, in, in the moment, you're in a dream. You're not really thinking what the fuck's going on. It was about 15, 20 minutes. And I came out afterwards and I was like shaking. It just dawned on me what oh, just yeah. happened. You know? Yeah, um, you just but in, like... Yeah, but being in like, that studio with other people that have, would have been there with him as well, that's kind of what freaked me out a bit. Right, yeah. You just think the people that were in this room, you know, like I... Yeah. Almost every time we go, I've probably been, I don't know, 10 or so times now. And every time we go, something else hits me, you know, like, I can't believe this. Like I was, uh, the last time I was in there, I was on this really big Stevie wonder kick, like a huge Stevie oh, wonder brilliant. kick, uh, leading right. up to it, you know, uh, inner visions, uh, talking book, all that. I mean, then that monster run that he went on, you know, oh, my and, hits. Uh, Beyond hits. and then, and then I stood in that room and I was just like, wait a minute, you know, like, so much of that happened in this room like you know and i just oh it's and that side note they have a there's a part of the tour where they show um they have this candy machine that's been there ever since stevie came there since he was a kid and they always had to put um his favorite candy bar in the exact same slot so he knew where his you know on account of being blind like he would always know which one was his they would always switch out the the rest of the machine they would switch out like whatever candies were popular but they always left the one slot for stevie that was always his favorite candy in the one slot you know uh but it's standing there in that room last time i was just like holy shit like all like that stuff that i'm binging on you know was argued over in this room and you know there's miles of outtake tape of things i haven't heard that that went on in this room you know like it's just oh and and but it's not lost on me though like i don't ever i never my wife and I were just downtown Detroit last night and I'm never in that area. And it's, it's always on my mind that like, you know, yeah, we're at the casino right now, but like 15 feet from here, what's, what becomes of the brokenhearted, you know, happened, you know what I mean? Like there's a person saying that. That It's fucking profound. I love that shit, man. That's so cool. I love that idea. But for me, 
Detroit um, as a as a Brit. I've never been there, um, but it, it sings Blues Brothers to me, and mm. uh, did, and also um, I mean across the way Chicago as well, like um, and what have you, and um, J- uh, uh, Elmore James and and the Slide, but D- Detroit as well. I said Blues Brothers. Detroit isn't anything to do with. No, Blues I think Brothers. it's Chicago. It's Chicago. Yeah, um, but it's still but like, closely it's, associated. It's like but three three Detroit, hours away. It was like the early noughties of the white stripes and shit like that, you know, like all those bands that are just like, oh man, they re- they reshape music I mean, uh, it, in a big way. Besides Motown, uh, the MC5, you know, yeah. just having an enormous impact all the way up through, you know, and it's, but you, uh, you mentioned the white stripes and that, like one of the coolest things that's happened to me on the show um, recently was we talked to a um, newer garage band called the Dodies who are out of Israel. And it's oh, a, really cool. Yeah, and it, and it's a duo who uh, they have a guitar player and a singer, and then their drummer plays drums with his right hand while he plays um, keys and bass notes with his uh, left hand while he does uh, backing vocals. And it's what? Yeah, yeah. You should look at it as the Dodies, D O D I E S, and their their debut record is fantastic. It's f- absolutely fantastic. And oh, um, that's insane. So we're, so we're sitting here, you know, on zoom, the three of us yeah. talking to these uh, two young Israelites who are talking back to us about how excited they are that like the MC five and the white stripes did their thing. So now they can do their thing, you know? And right. it's just that, like I say, I, I know I use this phrase, it's not lost on me a lot, but it's not like it. That's amazing to me. But you're plugged in, my friend. You're, that, that's what it is. You're plugged in. You know, you, you go to a music ve- you go to a music venue or whatever, of, 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 or a studio, and you've got the ability to, to plug into it. And I, I, I I'm that's I'm a bit jealous of that. I do get it sometimes, but not all the time. Yeah. But, well, um, I'm I, I'm I'm always looking for it. There's been a few times where it hasn't happened. You know, where I've been unsuccessful, yeah. and and uh, and that's always such a bummer. Um, but yeah, I'm always I'm always looking for it. I'm always looking for that yeah. connection, you know. Russ, we, we had to call it a night, my friend. Yeah, yeah. we're right now. Well, I We've greatly well. appreciate you having me, man. I really, really appreciate you having me on. Um, man, it's we're, been brilliant. We're, we're on break on our show right now. We're coming back in a couple of weeks, and we have uh, a guest from a, a, a kind of a little bit out of our uh, range schedule. We've got a guy that's uh, a bass player and a really – uh, popular uh, like metal band like much harder than what I listen to is going to come on yeah. with us and that'll be fun but uh, very soon after that I would like to try and match up our schedules again and see if you can uh, get you on and uh, have you give Michelle an equal amount of shit uh, yeah I'd <laughs> so. love that I'd love to see I just I wouldn't be able to I just wouldn't be able to no I'd it's, be, it's I'd pretty easy to fucking Hugh Grant it's pretty easy trust me I've uh, <laughs> I've known her for <laughs> I've known Michelle for about 18 years and about uh, six months into knowing her, it started and it hasn't it started. It hasn't yeah. let up since then. Right. Yeah. There's a nervous twitch. And then I just started saying these really weird things and I just got away with it for <laughs> fucking years. Like, yeah. Yep. Um, um, cool, man. Well, but yeah, I, I greatly appreciate it, man. It's, it's, it's awesome time. And I, you know, uh, the kind things you've had to say about our show, I really appreciate. And we've uh, tried, you know, we have a, little smaller following like social you know the social media is just so hard to get the wheels turning um but for the audience that we have we've tried to reciprocate and say like you know because i like i just like i said yesterday i was listening to your conversation with guy pratt and that's that's what i want to hear as a conversation Mm -hmm. with someone like i don't want you to just sit there and go you know oh and then you did this and uh, tell us about the book again you know like you 
you know, you really had be a chat. just an open conversation with any, when you took the phone call in the middle of it. And we're talking about um, when you found out when your uh, child is due and, and all that, it was yeah. so <laughs> natural and credit to guy too, because there's a lot of artists that would just be like, you know, like, Oh, this, I can't deal with this. And I do, he, I, yeah. I, I Big in time. that five minutes, I heard him say, uh, no, it's really fine. It's really fine. It's really fine. Like, like 10 times, you know, and that's great. I love that. So yeah, you should, I can't wait to get the, uh, Steve, I've got a conversation with Steve Harley coming up. He's a, uh, a, Brit, a British guy. He's a come up and see me, make me smile. Mm -hmm. And we, we have a equally as good chat, I think. Uh, awesome. If not better, if not better, if that's possible. But anyway, man, look, you look after yourself. Yeah, you as well. Um, can you set? So I'll probably uh, 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 Michelle and uh, Kyle on uh, Twitter individually. Yes, yes. Uh, do you want me to send you their uh, their handles? Yeah, do it, do it. Because I, I want to send them some love and, and say uh, thanks for um, th thanks thanks for the memories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'll get that to you. Yeah. Okay, man. We'll look after yourself. Okay. Right on. You as well. Cheers, Ross. See you. Bye. Bye.